Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark. Two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you, so why not write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. And now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Hey Mark, you you try something here. Give me give me give me one second. Now, is it kids. raining over there by you? <laughs> uh, not, not quite. Damn it! <laughs> I messed it up. Use my trading. I can't be trading. Wasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's that's a first i i don't think we've uh we've ever tried playing an instrument on this program before have we <laughs> yep let alone an ocarina <laughs> and it's true I was, that i i had no idea ever like i've never learned how to play this thing I, I, I was yeah literally about to say for those of you that listen to the audio only program joe is holding an ocarina in his hands and he's going to attempt to play it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think this is how he holds it in the game. He's got one up here, one over there, and he just kind of yeah. This is how he does it. In order, it felt weird because I was doing this before. That's all you were wrong. doing. You were doing this Green Ranger natural. movements with that. I, I think was, that's what you were doing. See, I was expecting <laughs> synth. I was expecting synthesizer flute and not actual instrument, um, and that's that's where I went wrong. So well, now I mean, it should definitely work, but I'll try it later. <laughs> would it work better if you were wearing the actual Green Ranger helmet and then put it up to your mouth? Ooh, we, we should experiment with that and see if it does anything different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. Well, it is, it is strange to say this. This is the last retro review of season two yeah. of this program. And we've been having some fun talking video games, haven't we, Joe? It is a welcomed addition to the podcast. Like we've been going pretty hardcore on uh, nostalgia and things that we have always enjoyed growing up. And when we've done video games in season one, it was never quite like this. We never actually put our two cents into like rating our, some of our favorite video games. So this has been a, a fun way to spice things up and uh, kind of sad that this is the last one we get to do for a few months. I, I mean, I thought when we first introduced this format that it was going to be, you know, fun to kind of relive stuff as we always do. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize just how much interest I really had in the development of these games because it, it awakened something in me that I mm -hmm. always knew was there. I just never had someone to talk about it with, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, seriously, I, I had never once, uh, once, once is not a word. Once is, but I never once actually thought I would ever talk to somebody about Nintendo Entertainment Analysis and mm -hmm. Development, the, you know, Nintendo EAD. You see it on the boxes, you see it on the you know the manuals for these games, and it's like, who the hell was I ever going to talk to you about Nintendo EAD? No, mm -mm. no it's it's kind of like the the Nintendo help number. It's there. <laughs> I've never used it, uh, let alone actually tried talking to someone about it. Um, from what I heard, it worked for the longest time. It wasn't until, I think, the Wii U that they finally took that helpline down that's been on the back of our Game Boy since 1984. It hung in there, man. Really hung in there. Say, yeah, that's staying power. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's brand recognition, Joe. I mean, good Lord. You know, yeah, I, it's, it's crazy to think. It's like equal parts sad and, I guess, encouraging that we've had this much fun with this. And so... For those of you who have joined us on this journey, we have covered 10 other games throughout this season that a little bit ups and downs, you know, with, with how we remembered things. I mean, Joe, how do you feel about the ratings we've doled out this year? You know, I think we did, we were pretty generous uh, or realistic, I think is probably the better way of saying it, because 
Um, honestly, like the lowest scoring game we ever gave uh, was probably like what a C in terms of like alphabet grading. Uh, so I think like what a seventy six or like a seventy four was the lowest we uh, did. It was actually Tomb Raider. They got mm-hmm. a seventy five percent from us. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. So I right around it, right around it. And it was a game we loved. Absolutely loved yeah. that. Uh, so it wasn't like we went like full, like really like out to like, you know, destroy a, a classic game here and talk <laughs> about like, you know, Ninja Turtles for the NES or that god awful E. T. game that is like Oof. you know, an entire an entire like junk heap uh stack worth of games that we're still trying to forget about out there. So yeah, I think no. I think we did fine in in the review game here. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I think that's what's really cool about this episode mm-hmm. in particular is that we are going to review The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. past. Yes. A a game that stands out in the franchise uh for two reasons. One it's incredible gameplay. This is easily one of the the fan favorites of the series. Uh, the only game that I think really rivals it in terms of uh, belovedness is probably Ocarina of Time. And I mean, time will tell if like Breath of the Wild will will do the same. But that is definitely one of the things that always drove this game is just how much fun we had playing it. And it is the only game where Link's not a natural blonde. Instead, Ooh, he's, he's yeah. punk rock pink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to ask questions. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't even need to at that point. It's it's fine. Pink mm-hmm. is a good look for him. I guess it suits him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. So we're going to go back to the year 1992 mm-hmm. and talk about some of the video games that came out that same year, which we've done a few times throughout this twice. retro mm-hmm. review journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I wanted to ask you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Right off the top of your head, which games do you think came out in 1992? 92. So at this point, we are on the SNES. We have moved to the Super of the Nintendos. So it means the Genesis is also out in this time. Uh, that is I, correct. I'm going to go with... We got, do we have Street Fighter 2 out yet? Ooh. I don't think... I don't think Street Fighter 2 was in 92. Oh, okay. I mean, what a great time for marketing. It, no, Two you're close, 92. though. I, I think I think that 2 was mm-hmm. the year before. Okay. But Super Street Fighter 2 was uh-huh. the year after. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, yeah. oh I, was just, I was just short an adjective, but no, I was off there. Um, how about <laughs> Vector Man? Was Vector Man out this year? Uh, Vector Man, I don't actually know. The exact date of either. I feel like that's a 94 mm-hmm. game, though. Could be a 94. Okay. I, it, it, if memory serves, I feel like mm-hmm. Vector Man was later. Yeah, and that Actually, you know what? Earthworm we, we, Jim in that same area, I think. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. they'll, these... They're laters. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're a little bit later, unfortunately, Joe. We are. But mm-hmm. yes, I'm going so... to say this. Val- valiant effort. You do remember some of the 90s, just not 92. And that's okay. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all right. Here, here's what we got. Okay. Just off the top, we have Wolfenstein 3D. There we go. I mean, as far as like redefining, or I should say defining a genre, mm-hmm. you know, bringing that first person shooter uh, into the the eyes of the government and frightened families everywhere. It's fantastic. Yep. I mean, if there was a parental warning, they could be slapped on the side of a box. That game did it. Yes, yes, it did. And we still managed to get it anyway, so yeah. mm-hmm. who cares? <laughs> now, we we actually got Kirby's Dream Land as well. Ooh, for the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, that little mm-hmm. little tiny fat bastard eating everything. Yeah, he is uh, the, the unobtainium that actually worked. He was the placeholder <laughs> that made sense. And like, you know what? He's great as is. Let's keep him. We have to change him one bit. So, hey, hey, boss, you, you have any issue with this? pink little circle dude with shoes on nah nah he's adorable he's great you keep him in there (laughs) look let's just be careful and let's come back to this later okay because we'll talk about it later Mm -hmm. that's when they're like you always say we'll talk about it later and then we never do never talk about it (laughs) but hey 92 is a big year outside of even these games we ended up getting super mario kart ah there we go there's a staple and, and a, a friendship destroying game. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. And then Sonic the Hedgehog 2 also Ooh, came out this year. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if my brother is listening in the audience, if, if you guys remember Nate from our last week, King's Quest VI also came out this year, <laughs> and it was the game that frustrated the fuck out of the th- my brothers and I, but also equally made us happy to know that we could beat it, because it was a tough game. Tough-ass mm-hmm. game, King's Quest VI. So, Listen, yeah, dude, was, there's some... Did you get save yeah. files in that game? Or is it like a, you, you have to shoot all the way through? You got save files in that game, Joe. The mm-hmm. problem with King's Quest Six was that if you managed to miss one unique item in a very specific part of the game, mm-hmm. you'd have to restart the entire damn thing. Ouch. Pain in the Ouch. ass. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it was definitely uh, a, a, a very tough game, but mm-hmm. fun at the same time. So frustrating, but fun. Just like some of the relationships you and I have both been in. So, <laughs> moving on from the video mm-hmm. games of 1992, we're going to get straight into the very specific one that we meant to talk uh, to you about yes. today. Now, Joe, A Link to the Past, yes, we've advertised as 1992, but it actually mm-hmm. came out in 1991 in Japan. In Japan, they always get it first. I mean, it makes sense. They developed it there. Why not have it first? Close to the source. I mean, they might as well get a taste before the rest of us do. Yes. I mean, if there's any any direct from the factory uh, perks that they get, it's getting the game first. You know, at this point, I'm, I'm not going to fault them because the Zelda series is obviously very well received. And this happens to be the third one in, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that series up to this point. But after the first game, which was like the top-down view, right? The, yes, the Zelda that the we bird's all... Yes, the bird's eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it went to a side-scroller in, in the second game. It just didn't which, work. Which... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but but people actually played Link's Adventure, and somehow it made a lot of money. I never saw that being successful, but apparently it was. Mm-hmm. I think it's like like a, a, a classic movie sequel flood sale. Like, hey, the first one was really good, so we're definitely going to see this one, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, we're going to see this one. This is going to be great. It's going to follow up really nicely. Didn't do it. But we all bought the game, <laughs> expecting it to do that, because uh, rentals weren't... I mean, there were plenty of rental places at the time. You could have... Your Gamefly, obviously, is a no. There's no subscription services for them. But, I mean, you know, you could go down to your local... Um, God, in the 90s? Blockbuster could be could be rocking video game rentals at this time. I don't know if they are. But or were. There's only one left. I'm, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, even like the little rental place we had up in Alaska, you know, during mm-hmm. the late 80s had games that you could rent. It's just that a lot of us couldn't afford the technology. So renting something you couldn't afford in the first place wasn't so much of a problem. Very true. <laughs> and one thing they definitely probably did not do, as I know my my local video stores did not do this, is they did not rent out the system to you. They only had the game. Yes. So if you didn't yes. have a system, there was no chance of, of you trying it out. Yes, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually how I played uh, the second Zelda game. It was actually not because we owned it. It was because either my friends owned it or someone else had rented the game. That mm-hmm. was that was pretty much all my exposure to it. So uh, by the time we actually got to A Link to the Past, my cousin actually owned it. And when we went to go visit them in L.A. one year, this was like 97, uh, we sit down and it's like, yeah, we played a bit of it before. Mm-hmm. But kind of like stealing technology from the from a foreign country, you know, you, you put it on the, the center of the table and you just kind of observe mm-hmm. it. And you're like, man, what, how do they do that? What, what's this? What's going what on with that? You know? How does this work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We take it apart. We weren't four... afraid it'd explode on us. <laughs> it's like, it's 40 years ahead of anything we're doing back home. What is this? <laughs> yeah. We just, we mm-hmm. just didn't have that much exposure. We didn't have a Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. We were a Sega Genesis family. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. were. Yeah, I mean that's 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 where things usually went. If you uh, like again, affording both systems was not always in the cards for everyone. Uh, I, I've talked at nauseum, I think, uh, on this podcast over my scenario with the SNES, and that it was in my sister's room and therefore was rarely touched by me. Uh, I, I instead uh, enjoyed the wealth of games on the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just didn't have it. And by the time we did get to it, I will say there is a little bit of confusion behind this game. Because, mm-hmm. Joe, as I have read through some of the people that were producing these games, 
I also would look at, uh, you know, like some of the supporting functions in that owner's manual. You know, mm-hmm. they put some of the stories in there. They would put original content that you couldn't find anywhere else. You know, they were just too lazy to program stuff <laughs> into that. So <laughs> let's throw it in the manual. And yeah, the, back so when games actually link- came with manuals. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a link to the past is technically a prequel to those first two games. I was gonna say, if you uh, anyone who is has listened to the podcast for a long time, uh, so you know, long time listeners, first time callers, that scenario, uh, you may remember we did an entire episode dedicated just to the timeline of the Legend of Zelda and all of the misadventures uh, she had along with Link. And if you remember when those uh, games actually fall into play with each other, yeah, this one does take place before the original game because the original game actually takes place pretty late in the timeline of things. So this is still, I believe, the timeline where the hero fails. It is. Mm-hmm. So this is. is still like, you know, when you played the Ocarina of Time and you know, don't fucking lie to us, you know you lost against Ganon. Well, they already planned ahead. Like, yes, we'll assume that there's a possibility that Link actually did die fighting Ganon. The Hero of Time was unsuccessful. And this is in that world where the hero definitely died. Which we didn't know back then. Mm-mm, we did not. But we we did end up finding that out later. But yeah, it, it's it's a prequel. Mm-hmm. And what is really unique about this game compared to the the other first two, which are you know basically a pixelated presentation to this universe, you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's not a fault of the time period; it's just the reality no. of it. But th- this is actually a a pretty well made, pretty good looking little game. Yeah. Like as far as detail goes for the Super Nintendo, like the the EAD group that I just mentioned, like this this specific part of Nintendo who has mm-hmm. turned out some of the biggest titles of the last you know 30 years they already made a banger with super mario world mm-hmm. and, and and that game it looks pretty good even 30 years later yeah but this this game looks critically different from that one mm-hmm. just in terms of like textures and smoothing yeah. and, and and all that kind of stuff now joe why would you think that would be the case I would have to say that there's probably someone who came along and had a lot of care and dedication for doing this sort of thing. Uh, Or maybe critical technology was developed and was able to perform better. Be honest with you, Joe, it's, it's really just the financial backing of the system at this point. Oh, oh, so you threw money at the problem and it worked. Boom. (laughs) Yes. That's how we solve everything. It's true. I mean, the Super Nintendo, the Super Famicom had been around mm-hmm. for a few years at this point. And this is during that era as well, where like Nintendo and Sega are fighting each other, right? Like we're getting mm-hmm. into the console wars. And so at this stage, Nintendo has a lot of money and they go, can we throw this behind a title? Like what, what, what game do you guys want to pick out? Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned Joe, that this could have just been creators that had their shit together you're absolutely right. The people working on this game are legends of Nintendo. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, Takashi Tezuka who worked on, you know, Mario and Zelda. He helped uh, Shigeru Miyamoto create Yoshi, who was also obviously a producer uh, on this mm-hmm. game. Yep. Um, we get one of their legendary writers in uh, Kinsuke Tanabe, who did Mario, Zelda, Metroid Prime, Ooh. and the lesser known Chibo Robo, which uh, I've never played. I've not, but I mean, it it does. I believe it's a small, tiny, super deformed looking robot giving the given the name. So it's probably adorable as all hell. Yeah, I was gonna say, just like Mm -hmm. all Japanese mascots, it's got to be beautiful and fun to look at, but functionally useless. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that's what they did, man. Like they they had a little bit more money to spend on the development of this game, and so what that meant for the game itself was taking the storage of the game from what was essentially a half megabyte and being able to buy better tech to make this a full megabyte Ooh. of storage, which is still only about a quarter of what most photos are these days. Yes. It, it, by, by modern means, it's not much. <laughs> but back then... It's not then, much. Yeah. Pushing. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it looked pretty damn good for 1992. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I think yeah. you'd be... 
you'd be hard pressed to find someone who'd fight against you on that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also mm-hmm. it's talking about things you're going to be hard pressed to find a, an equal or better Koji Kondo. Yes. Some mm-hmm. of the most iconic music for Nintendo of this era. And even for the years preceding. Oh yeah. Oh God. He did a number on the overworld for, for Zelda. Mm-hmm. That's, that you could practically hump that music as we've, <laughs> as we've said for other things, mm-hmm. but yeah, instantly recognizable, and and that and that's the superstar group of people who are coming together to make this game. I mean, it's it's, it's poetry, Joe. I mean, it was it's poetry. I mean, I would I would dare say this game was impossible to fail from the get go when you have the actual financial backing and you actually have uh, an all star cast like this. Honestly, it makes me think Batman the Animated Series. Uh, where it's like, you know what, we're going to throw money at this to make Steven Spielberg happy and actually give writers and producers uh, and animators a lot of freedom to do what they want here, to really invest in what they're making. And it's the same same story here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously, like you, you're getting into the mind and the room of like these, these people who have been only making hits. As far as the eye can see, they've, these guys have been making hits <laughs> if, with Nintendo. I mean, seriously, like I, I just named three of the most iconic properties that Nintendo has ever made, and these are the guys that made them. All three of them. So, yeah. like, this is borderline like conspiracy theory level of stuff here, <laughs> where there's gonna be someone out there who thinks there's some link to some sort of cabal controlling the entire planet. It's boiling down to these guys and how they're involved in every hit game Nintendo ever made during this genre or during them. Sorry, during this period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like they went back in time and they bought the sports almanac and they're just calling all the hits now. <laughs> I mean, they did something, mm-hmm. but Joe, to get away from the guys that made the game for a minute, what exactly is a link to the past? Do you want to tell us what that is? What, what, what yeah. is, Mm-hmm. The game. So the game itself, like we like we mentioned before, uh, does take place a considerable time before the previous two games that have been made at this time. Uh, Link is the last Hyrulean descent of the Hyrulean descendants. Uh, and when you look at just kind of like what the world you're living in, when you if you've played like the modern Zelda games, you'll understand or recognize like the Hylians or the Hyrule people and how they're the people that occupy the land of Hyrule. But by this point in time, most of them are in fact dead. So mm. you have this young boy living with his ne- uh, living with his uncle uh, at the time, and we uh, of course get something a call to action from princess zelda as he is telepath telepathically summoned that he must claim the master sword which i believe this is the first time it's actually called the master sword in any game yeah mm-hmm. yeah first exactly. time we get i it. think if you ever read the hilt of the sword because i know it's pixelated but if you zoom mm-hmm. in on it joe it's the sword that says badass motherfucker you just gotta look close (laughs) yep and uh this is the original japanese translation for it but because of localization issues and and young american audiences not be able to handle that handle that they did change it to the sword that banishes evil's bane badass motherfucker Mm. i think catchier more enjoyable more straight to the point cuts through all the fat (laughs) gives you what you want a little bit easier to market and the fundamentalists you know that are playing the game they're they're not going to complain about it so yeah I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, that's and once this is something too in the manual that I ended up reading about because mm-hmm. once again I didn't really understand a whole lot of this like no. underlying stuff going on, mm-hmm. and, and so when you're like, so Link is a descendant of a Hy- of the Hyrulean Knights, yes, and I'm like, why is that order so small now? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 why does it? I mean, did you ever figure that out? Like, why it's why there's so few of them? Like, what the hell happened? I mean, I assume it is because uh, that Link's father fought in the Clone Wars alongside this dusty veteran of an uncle that he, he lives with. And due to the events of of the Clone Wars, they've just dwindled in numbers. It's fine. Or I, that I, could be know, Star Wars. <laughs> that, that's fair. But if they were going for that angle, then like when you wake up and you meet your aunt, she should just be like, hello there. <laughs> and let's just carry the the, the joke on. But mm-hmm. yeah, th- that's that's exactly how the game starts off. Like you, you're getting that that telepathic message that even mm-hmm. I can't say the word fully. And 
the first few times I actually played this game, didn't even pick up on that, that mm-hmm. this was like a psychic message being no. sent to you. Mm-mm. I thought he was just waking up and hearing shit. Yeah, I, I thought she was just screaming incredibly loud. It's like, damn. <laughs> I don't even know. That's coming from the castle. That is like, you have to go over like two sequences on the map to even get there. Exactly. She's really shouting. You got to walk for days to get to that castle, okay? <laughs> From that little cottage that you live in with your, your adoptive family. Yeah, it's it's a little ways out. And yeah. what I will say about this, though, like for like an intro sequence to a game, mm-hmm. you know, some games just kind of throw you into escalating events and like it, you're meant to crawl, walk, run type of thing. Mm-hmm. This game immediately puts you into this really dark, rainy, thunderstorm yeah. environment. Like, there's something wrong mm-hmm. as soon as you step outside. I mean, I mean, even before that, because your uncle goes running out of the house to try and save the day and tells you just to stay inside. Don't go yeah. out there. But because the game would be very boring if we all just stayed inside the house and no one would get anywhere, we have to venture outside <laughs> and figure out what's going on for ourselves. All right. I got I to gotta be ridiculous for a moment, Joe, as I mm-hmm. usually don't preface these statements. Years later, when I would play this game again, when they would put these on the ROMs and like the portable SNES systems and all that, every time I read Link's uncle's voice, I read it like Mark Wahlberg. Like he's just a <laughs> hapless dude. And it's like, and Link wakes up and he's like, hey, what's happening? He's like, he's like, no, no, no. You just go back to sleep, okay? I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to the castle. I'm going to mm-hmm. come back. Just, just, just stay there, all right? Just stay there. And then he just takes off. Because... There's, there's no story there. It's just, mm-hmm. this is no. just a dude that mm-hmm. there's no build up to. Yeah. And that's the way I've always seen it. I've just mm-hmm. always seen him as like a fat Mark Wahlberg heading <laughs> off of that castle. <laughs> well, in, in a, in a, in a fun, uh, sharing of, of not revelations, but just the way we play these games, the way we envision things. Uh, I actually began, like I said, because I just didn't play the, the SNES very much growing up. I uh, didn't play this game until actually uh, I got a switch and joined the oh, uh, that's right. like the online portion of this. So by the time I'd played this game, I'd fallen very heavily into instead of naming my character Link, going into save files, which I know, yes. I know, blasphemous. You you should always name the character Link cuz that's the hero. The hero is always Link. I have started naming Link my dude because yes. it is just that much more chill and more fun. When you walk into the chamber of the sages, uh, the seven sages, and you just go, ah, yes, my dude. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. everything's going to be fine. My dude's here. (laughs) I I always just thought about that, like, Cheech and Chong style. Like, you walk in there, and it's like, hey, my dude, how are you doing, man? Come on in, Mm -hmm. you know? like, maybe take the sword, and and you just go fight. We're not. (laughs) It's okay yeah. either way. We're in here. We're pretty safe. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm no, I'm not a hero. I'm not meant for this. And there's like, no. that's just your opinion, man. You know. <laughs> like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I will say that that the naming convention can mm-hmm. totally like suck the air out of the room when it's like a tense moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. now you will die, my dude. <laughs> my and dude. I'm like, oh, well, wait, hey, man, wait, wait to harsh the fucking vibe guy like what's your what's your problem we're just here trying to mellow things out really put stuff back together and you're all throwing out words like death and destruction and imminent and like man come on man like when you point fingers man you got three pointing back at you bro okay you just remember that (laughs) but it, mm-hmm. it's a dark, it feels like a pretty dark game from yeah. the start. Mm-hmm. So that was the thing that I, that, that stuck with me immediately walking into this kingdom and, and then you basically have to commit some light B and E to get into the castle because they won't let you in the front door. They won't. No, they're like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't serve your kind here. And you're like, but I don't have any droids. Like, no, we mean you, we are racist. High ruling people cannot <laughs> come in here. <laughs> Yeah, you got to take the side door, man. You got to yeah. walk around the corner mm-hmm. there, getting all wet, you know. And <laughs> and when you finally do get into the castle, I think this is one of the most anticlimactic deaths that has ever occurred in the history of video games because you head into that tunnel, you see your poor old Uncle Mark Wahlberg just no. sitting there across the wall. 
Yeah. But He's they like, didn't even... Yeah, you weren't a peacock. You knew you should have been trying to fly, Uncle. What was wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. with you? <laughs> it's like the, the sprites, they couldn't even animate any kind of like mm-hmm. eye closing or it's mm-hmm. not like you can make his shoulders like sink or something. It's like, no, no. Link's just standing there. He's got like his soon to be deceased uncle mm-hmm. just leaning up against the wall, you know, literally going into the death spiral. Mm-hmm. And then you just take your shit and you move on with your life. I mean, he might as well have just gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah the Italian Spider-Man <laughs> head wave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, I always laugh like, well, about this in retrospect. Mm-hmm. I just do. Yeah. It's like, well, it's, I it's guess hilarious. we carry on. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. very sad. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. We, we, mm-hmm. I, I, I got to go find some, some hot lady who's yelling at me <laughs> <laughs> telepathically here, bro. Oh, my and, God. Mm-hmm. But, but then this kind of leads into what we, we actually did allude to this in season one, how in the link to the past, it feels like you're not just given items and things to, you know, just because you, you get them. Mm -hmm. Every single thing that you're introduced to in this game has a very clear purpose. There are puzzles to solve. There Mm -hmm. are environments to interact with. And so you're not given a sword at first. You're given a lantern so you can see around the dark. Yep. You know? And so this game, like I, 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 and, and some people argue about this. Okay. Joe, 30 years later, people are arguing about this fucking game. Crazy. Hard to believe that people are, are that opinionated over things, that they're still still doing this. They claim it's too linear. They, too people linear. do. They say, yeah, they say it's way too linear. And, and, and I go, for one, I think it's actually a really smart storytelling thing here to do is to give you something that you don't always traditionally get in a video game, which is like mm-hmm. a weapon or whatever some some sword of the elders or some mm-hmm. you know some iron you a, fist of the underworld whatever get a couple wands in there they do some magic tricks you know some stuff mm-hmm. i i thought it was cool i really did yeah. i i thought this mm-hmm. is one of the cooler things to happen in a video game it's like nope i'm not destined to get no. some like big swinging dick sword right away i'm mm-hmm. getting a lantern yep and it's even even more confusing when uh instead of like again you think okay maybe the sword's coming second but actually it's not because <laughs> after you find your uncle dead and you get to the princess and she is wanting to be saved and it turns out you get a dark magician trying to ruin this whole thing you actually go hey you're talking to my girl all wrong he hits the wrong tone <laughs> and then you pick up a soldering iron yeah. you say you do that again i'm gonna stab you in the face with this see now mm-hmm. this is kind of continuing to play into that whole dark tone all right like mm-hmm. you i don't know what it is with me joe but whenever i play these these early 90s like video games mm-hmm. whenever i see dudes in cloaks i i just know there's going to be some screwed up shit happening like you're, there's going to be demons there's there's going to be people that don't return their carts you know when they're going shopping like you just know bad things are about to go down and sure as shit you got some old dude in a robe Mm -hmm. who probably has some Werther's original in his pocket and he's screwing shit up Mm -hmm. yep just straight up looking for violence uh right out right at the start of the day and you know like this is probably early morning stuff it is probably three (laughs) in the morning with that dark storm going on no one's ready for this and he's like no 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 i've made my choices for the day and I'm sick of this. Like, that old wizard. He's, he's like, I've I've been awake already for an hour. Mm-hmm. I already caught sleeping. the Denny's early bird. I've had the grand slam. <laughs> I am going to fuck shit up. <laughs> I'm about to eat some pine nuts and take a nap already before you're even awake. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, seriously, like I, I, the second that you you kind of go through that first little dungeon crawl and you see that dude in his cloak, this is like quintessential early '90s games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's familiar. You're gonna see it in like Final Fantasies. You're gonna see this in mm-hmm. uh, Shining Force. You're gonna see this in all kinds of games. Yeah. There's there's always like a ritual. There's some kind of portal and or you know, plane that we need to access and pull energy out of, you know, um, the dark energy, like when 
a line opens up at the grocery store and you've been waiting longer and that person darts straight for it. That's the kind of shit we're talking about here. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. bad vibes. Yep. It's it, it's no good. Well, I mean, it's, it's good for someone and for like yeah. the one someone. It just works out for them. Everyone else, pretty terrible. Uh, I thought you were really into maybe like some, like you can tell this is a 90s game because all of the, the hope and optimism of the 80s has in fact worn off and we've entered the grunge era. And we can see that in this game because while in the first game, the Kingdom of Hyrule had fallen for some time, we didn't really know. Like, yeah, we're going yeah. out there. We were told it's dangerous to go alone. Some dude handed us a sword. We had a great time. <laughs> um, like <laughs> Buildings look like they're better in the second game. Things are standing back up. Um, we don't really know what the hell we're doing or where we're supposed to go, but we made it work. And now it really feels a bit darker. Not Zack Snyder dark, but dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if Zack Snyder made The Legend of Zelda, uh, you basically just wouldn't be able to see shit on the screen no. at any point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you might see enemies like lighting fires towards you, shooting projectiles, but that's about it. You're not going to see yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. No. And no, for no, some no. reason, the game was made during the day, but then was digitally altered to be looking like it was at night. Oh, I mean, that's just so. that fun PG-13 lighting we all enjoy anyway. <laughs> but other things we really enjoyed about this game is the sheer number of shit we get to have fun with. Because oh, yes. we're looking at, like, when we look back to, I guess, like, the previous games, you had a boomerang. And you had a master sword and a shield, and that was it. And we liked it. We had a good time. That's all you needed. D- didn't you have to like pay rupees to shoot the arrows back then? You did have to pay rupees to shoot the arrows. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm happy they did away with that. I'm, I, me too. It seems like a silly thing because arrows, like you can just pick those off the ground after you're done using them. You know you're missing. Just yeah. grab them. Yeah. Who's can, who's benefiting from that rupee being spent? No one. And you can just loot them <laughs> off the people you kill. They're not going to use them. They don't. Not going to miss them. They're dead. We, they did change we, it. We yeah. killed them. We've now got not only arrows, we've got bombs, we've got rupees, we get a hook shot, we get the Pegasus boots, we get a sweet spin attack, we get two different magic wands, we got sonic electronic ball busters, man. Can we talk about for a minute how the combat of this game is so critically different from the first two, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the thing I love to do, just because it made me feel like a badass, is when Link is like he's standing with his back turned to an enemy, mm-hmm. and the sword is clearly facing forward, right away from the enemy. But mm-hmm. you hit that charge attack, and then suddenly you just whip that sword around. That motherfucker's Fury. dead. Fury gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, that spin attack. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Gets and, you going. Yeah, and I have to say. To even to something that was also never, I don't think done since this. Eh, no, it's been done since this game, kind of. Um, this is the first time we actually get to upgrade the master sword because you would think the master sword, okay, uh, typically in in the modern Zelda games, that is the end all be all of weaponry. You get the master sword and you have arrived. But in this game, you can actually upgrade it to, I believe, the golden sword, making it even more powerful than before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. That, that the master sword, I believe, is is just. I feel like it's too plain. I feel like you've got to mm-hmm. give it a better name, which I've always chosen to call it by a Spanish name, which is Espada del Maestro, which is, Ooh. of course, the sword of master, uh, which is yeah, just the I, way I, the language is written. That's how it goes. <laughs> I, I assumed that you were going to say daddy, but that does make that it's got a nicer oh. ring to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of like making the. You sound every time you swing it. Instead, it goes, oh, yeah. Or, or like, <laughs> or harder, daddy. Every time you swing it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Things that we would have done to a game that would have ended the franchise very early. But. <laughs> yeah. That, that, holy shit. Would that, have, that would have been hilarious. Someone out there no. much smarter than us, please mod this game to have that happen every time the sword swings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the beak goes flying out of it. God, that would that would just be too... I don't think I'd be able to play more than 10 minutes of that game. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but seriously, mm-hmm. though, like when we talk about sequels just doing things better than the games before them, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly they had learned from what made one great, what two probably shouldn't have tried, and mm-hmm. then uh, making it into something better. Because going from the original game, Joe, you couldn't actually move like on the entire directional axis, you could basically just go up and down, left to right, 
right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Now Very you can DDR. actually go. Over. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But now you can actually move diagonally, like the queen. You can actually move mm-hmm. on the board a little bit differently, and it's it's a much more fluid and interesting game to play. And I, I immediately picked up on that when I when I first started playing. I think that's what kind of caused my addiction to it. <laughs> Once mm-hmm. I probably could get my hands on it, but but yeah, the other thing too about this game that I always found really interesting was that the heart pieces that you know kind of show up and is a staple of the series moving on is that the heart pieces like you can find a couple of them without having to search very hard to increase yeah. your your total amount of hit points mm-hmm. but then there are some of these that you will never find dude pain in the ass man <laughs> <laughs> i mean they stick some of these no 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 i was thinking definitely keys like small keys in dungeons there are some that are just a fucking oh my god and because they're they're getting back to heart pieces, but there are just some that have such ridiculous amounts of setup where you have to do X, Y, and Z in the light world, and then do you know A, B, and C, which is really like kind of like the start of everything back in the dark yeah. world uh, to unlock some of these things. And it's yeah. it's it's a like it's like yeah, we're gonna have you jump through some hoops to do this, but we're gonna set some of them on fire before you do. Really make it interesting and fun. So that's a a really important point to bring up for this game. Mm -hmm. Now, we're very careful about not spoiling games, even though they've been out for (laughs) generations now. For the love of God, like, again, 1992. Yeah, we're not not spoiling Mm -hmm. a thing here. Mm -hmm. But this game actually did something that a lot of other games hadn't even tried to do up to this point, which is have two like different like, like parallel universes that mm-hmm. coexisted and you could flip between them yeah which and, and i mean my very at the time yeah, i mean it's impressive in the fact that again it's it's basically the same map over again but it's a huge map hyrule is pretty effing massive at this time uh both in the light world and then you flip it and it's the dark world and it's not even like they're straight mirrors of each other uh you have like this massive ziggurat instead of a castle you have some areas that have been like decimated compared to the light world and they actually again like a lot of creativity really went into designing the world that link the worlds that link is bouncing between here yeah yeah and, and it's it's all because of the events that unfolded where Ganon, who is the the bad dude in the game, he has to mm-hmm. be, of course, trapped or contained in this dark world because you you can never truly destroy evil. You can only contain it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So him kind of uh, permeating this other plane of existence caused it to become this just dark and, and disgusting and barren land and, you know, just full of tormented creatures and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see the difference like that in between these planes as a kid, it didn't so much strike me at first, but as I got a little bit older into like my early teens and stuff, I'm like mm-hmm. the property values in the dark world have to be shit. Cause <laughs> there's, there's no lakefront properties at all. No, I mean, there's no HOA. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just not a good situation. No, I mean, half, half the houses have like holes going through the roofs um you've got I, I assume all the basements are flooded with water uh it's just bad 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 property value there mm-hmm. it's it's not good but like you mentioned joe the overworld for this game doesn't just have length it has girth i mean there's a lot of places you can go mm-hmm. on that map and what i always found kind of cool about it too is that when you see the overworld for the, this this game it actually is kind of like 3d looking Right, mm-hmm. like yeah, like it comes out and like we're, we're so used to seeing flat textures on the Super Nintendo at this point in time that I would actually just kind of stop and stare at the map. Mm-hmm. I really would. Like it's 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 cool. It's like I, I don't think they blew the whole budget on it. No, <laughs> but, no, but, but I would, it's I would stare at it. Yeah, I mean it's it is something that for its time when it was designed, it was beautiful. It was it was definitely like game changing, and if you look at it now. Like, this is what gives you the warm, fuzzy feelings of playing in your youth uh, in yeah. video games. As you look back at this, it's like, and you just get hit with the best kind of nostalgia about it. And I would hope that anyone who 
like again, did not grow up in this era of, of gaming and were to find this on like again, like the same way I'd played it uh recently on, on the Switch, and you look at it and you play through the emulator, um and you're just like, you know what? This is what like vintage cool actually is. Like I yeah. know uh, like the number of my, my high school students that have Nirvana shirts and have no fucking clue who they are. Um and I think this would be like someone seeing the cool Nirvana shirt shirt, putting it on and being like, Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a very well made game in an era where there is a lot of dungeon crawlers. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of other games that are kind of like this where you have to go from point A to point B and you have to acquire something and then move on with your life. But the difference with this game was obviously the fact there's bright colors and like the stuff we've talked about that just kind of mm-hmm. grab your attention. Yeah. But dungeon crawling for the legend of Zelda is a little bit different than, than other games of the time because they all obviously have unique bosses. That's just kind of something that, mm-hmm. that all of these games did. But for the legend of Zelda, like, there are, or I should say, Link to the Past, there's like holes in the ground in some of these dungeons, and you have to like mm-hmm. fall through specifically oh, to get man. to a specific part. Yep. There's some boss fights where they might knock you into them, and then you have oh, to start over again. Fuck, are those frustrating? <laughs> I, I think that was of the few times where like I, I played the game and really hated my experience. It was being knocked off of like the fucking like platform by the boss. My like, god. Damn it, he, <laughs> his health is back up to full, and here I go back up there, hurt and just embarrassed. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Going back up after the whole fucking thing over again. Yeah, even if you win that battle, you're not telling anybody about it. You're not proud of it. You're not. You know, <laughs> um, you definitely will not tell your friends how many times you were knocked off of that platform, or embarrassingly, just walked off of it. Yeah. Boss is just yeah. like, but the, wait, well, you ain't doing this anymore. You just yeah. leaving on me. Ouch! Yeah. I'm hurt. I'm actually yeah. hurt about this. I might just die because of how hurt I am. I'm not going to. I'm not giving you my piece of heart that easily. But hurt. Yeah, definitely hurt. We would ju- we would just get to know each other and then just go off and do that. You know that hurts a guy. <laughs> you know, is it you? Is it mm-hmm. me? You know. But but seriously, like that's that's where I thought was really cool about this is that like I feel like the creators of this game, like Nintendo, treated their players. I think less like kids. Mm-hmm. And and more like people that wanted a challenge. Yeah. And I th- I think that that's what the core of this game kind of represents is that mm-hmm. as you're kind of going through and playing it, there is a linear function that you're meant to follow. Like they literally number these dungeons like, you know, yeah. one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. And so you're meant to do that. Now, Joe, knowing how I play games, mm-hmm. what do you think I ended up doing? the first time you probably started at the first dungeon all well and good because the story does guide you there pretty easily and then like you know what let's go lucky number seven next and you just went and did whatever the hell you wanted to i saw a path and i said i'm not doing that but it wasn't intentional i actually ended up going (laughs) to like the wrong dungeons when i played it Mm -hmm. and i'm like wow what this dungeon sucks. It's like, this, is a, this is hard. Yeah, Unfair, like, this thing, like hard. <laughs> that thing hit me, and I lost three hearts. And I'm like, what's going on here? Hold and on. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, Joe, for years that I was going out of sequence for like <laughs> four playthroughs. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the game made me do it. It's just because I would be like, I would rather go here. So let's yep. do that. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until years later that I found out I was playing A Link to the Past on hard mode because I kept going to the difficult dungeons I shouldn't have first. Mm-hmm. Not proud yep. of it. And I felt there, pretty stupid. There's a full creative team in Japan who became aware of your antics and they're like, and they're sitting there like, we literally number these for you. Like we, we told you what to do and now you're mad at the game because you didn't listen. They didn't <laughs> listen. <laughs> hey, there was one person that listened. Okay. Mm-hmm. And his name was Chris Houlihan. Do you know who Chris Houlihan is? Uh, he sounds like he's the owner of a Hawaiian-themed restaurant chain in the early 2000s. 
I think we're a little far from center on this one. Crap. But okay. I'm gonna explain All right. It. I'll explain it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because of the fact that you said no one listened. So Nintendo Power in the early 90s actually had a contest when they were developing the game. And you basically had to uh, take a snapshot uh, to of, of another video game at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And what that involved doing was taking the snapshot, I think it was actually of... Metroid, or it might be a different game. I'm I'm trying to remember the story. But either way, you had to send the snapshot into Nintendo Power. If you won the drawing, then you would actually be programmed into a link to the past. And so a lot of people never found this out, Joe, because Chris Houlihan is in the game Mm -hmm. on a plaque, and it's a hidden room that's just full of rupees. Ooh. So there's five different ways you can get to this room. Okay. A lot of people never found it at all. And then suddenly in the early 2000s, people hear about the story of Chris Houlihan and like, I want to find that room. Mm -hmm. And the question I was asking at that point in time was, you want to find the room? Why not just find all five entrances that we always did? Because we Mm -hmm. somehow found every one of them. Like, (laughs) So happens if you play the game out of order. (laughs) Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. We, my brothers and I, we we like we scoured that map. Mm-hmm. We were trying to find every single piece of it, but it was one of those gaming mysteries that was hiding out there for decades. Like just like the Arkham City room in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. people just didn't know about it. And so, like when you finally get there, it's kind of anticlimactic. It's just a little yeah. sign that goes, "My name is Chris Houlihan. This is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I assumed it was it was Lex Grossman just sitting there waiting for you, saying like, hey, it's big dick player time. Welcome to the goodie room. <laughs> rupees <laughs> everywhere for you. <laughs> and then some crystal I, method pops on in the background. We just have a, just, just a fun time. I mean, I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's an appropriate way to kind of round us out for mm-hmm. for the retro reviews because... Damn it, we got to address what we finally think about this game. It's that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Joe, it's it's almost sad to do it, but we got to. We agreed mm-hmm. in, in the pre-production of this episode that we're going to give pieces of heart to the five-point scale of each mm-hmm. metric that we give. So, Joe, we're going to start off as we always do with the graphics. Compared to the field at this point in time, what do you think? Uh, let's see, comparatively to other things, considering like I, my gauge of, of video games was considerably far off, at least by a year, year and a half rounding. Um, I would say the graphics in this had to be pretty good because I'm thinking of things that came out around this time or even shortly after things like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. And we, I think Chrono Cross, we had some, I think we had some Dragon Age coming out in this time too. And like, this is, kind of like the epitome of like the basic sprites going around doing stuff uh because there's a good enough amount of detail to them uh they are they everything manages to be adorable or like ugly adorable if that yeah, makes any yeah. sense so and it just works very very well so i would say as far as our 16 bits go this one's going to get um this one's going to get five pieces of heart out of five for me Oh my! For graphics, yeah. He's throwing around the perfect scores right away. Right away. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm going to do. Now I was a Genesis boy at this point in time. That's what we mm-hmm. had. That's what we could afford. So that's what we went with. I like to rate these games as we've kind of talked about before, based upon that time, not about trying to compare it to now, because that's just unfair and ridiculous. No. So as we talked about in the lead-in with this. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 came out the same year, mm-hmm. so did Super Mario Kart, and I picked Wolfenstein 3D Dimension specifically because I played a lot of Wolfenstein as well. And different games, Wolfenstein's you know computer game at that point, so mm-hmm. when I think about Wolfenstein and I compare it to the graphics to Zelda, like Zelda looks better than Wolfenstein. Like People might get pissed at me for that, whatever, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But Wolfenstein's still a good-looking game. You know, I I look at Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and as we talked about, you said, you know, the sprites, sprite-based games and how they looked at that time, mm-hmm. Sonic looked pretty damn good itself. Yeah. 
And I spent a lot of time with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at this point in my life compared to this game. Mm-hmm. When I started playing Zelda, I was like, Zelda looks better than Sonic. He just does. Mm-hmm. You know? Even, regardless of what Sega was saying that they could do what Nintendo don't, I had to <laughs> think critically here and go, no, 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 no. You're doing pretty good, guys. You're still punching up. Okay? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this. I am giving it a 5.0. Fuck it. 5.0. Yeah. Because at that point in time, yes, there's a lot of tough competition, and it still mm-hmm. manages to look better yeah. than everything else in 1992. Mm-hmm. I will yep, stand by that. Fight me. Yeah. And we are now rocking out with 10 pieces of heart right off the bat. Oh, God. Boom. Good and start things. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to gameplay. And mm-hmm. honestly, I felt like I was going to talk more about gameplay, and I'm happy I saved a little bit of this. Yeah. But... What we talked about with exploring this game and how the the pieces of heart that increase your overall HP, mm-hmm. like they do not make that easy for you to get to. No. Like you have to, you know, basically lift up every freaking plant you could find, you know, mm-hmm. chop down every bush that you see, try to go behind buildings, all that kind of stuff. And when you were a kid like us, didn't have a whole lot of income, you were spending a lot more time with the games that you did choose to buy, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have backlog in 1992, Joe. Did no. you? No, no, no. There was no, there was no funding for backlog. It just didn't, didn't happen. It was just log. We didn't even have just back log. at that point. No, just, just all log, no back. Yeah, just what Mark's we log. Did. You just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Ren and Stimpy now, but it rolls downstairs. It mm-hmm. whatever. At this point in time, I spent a lot more time with games, and I felt rewarded when people actually put things in hidden places and actually thought about the journeys of the players. Mm-hmm. And so A Link to the Past did reward you if you either explored the map or maybe you went out of your way to go to the wrong places <laughs> and still managed to find new stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm going to say this is a 5.0 out of 5 because mm-hmm. of that fact. It's, it's, it's a linear game, but even if you play it in a nonlinear fashion, you're mm-hmm. going to find all kinds of different stuff you can do. And keep in mind, there's two different planes of existence so yeah, yeah. gameplay's mm-hmm. high as fuck for me. Yep, um, I I'm gonna mirror a lot of what you said already. Again, in th- just the the sheer expanse of this game for its time, there were plenty of things to do. There were plenty of things to find. Um, you can play it kind of like how you want to. So if you want to continue like the linear storyline and progress from dungeon to dungeon, uh, dungeon to dungeon, amulet to amulet, and uh, going from the main part of the story to the next, or if you just feel like, you know, wandering around and slaying some shit. Like, you can do both of those very, very, like, readily in this game. You can play it any way you want to. And because of, like, the well-written story to this, where you do get, like, kind of like this basically distinct feeling of an act one act two scenario in this game where we think we've saved zelda we think we've done everything right and then crap it turns out everything that could have gone wrong has in fact gone wrong and you are thrown spiraling into a new part of the storyline and this is definitely not one of those cases where you're like you know what i was just ready to be done i thought i had that princess saved I'm ready to just move on to the next game. It did it at just the right spot where it's like, huh, I think this is ending a little too soon, but I'm not sure. I've had a good adventure so far. I think it might be sad that this is over. And then boom, it's not. There's plenty of more game. And then again, like you can extend it by trying to actually fill your heart meter, fill your magic meter uh, and enjoy the game. So I am also giving this five pieces of heart out of five. I, which I feel like plays really into replay value, which mm-hmm. is why we kind of mix gameplay and replay right after the next, because I feel like one can kind of get lost in the other metric here. Mm-hmm. But replay value for you on this game, what do you think? See, this is where things get lower for this game. And this is why like, it does feel, I don't know, I feel a little bad that we have it here for this game because it is such a good game. But it's not like GoldenEye, where, like, you know what, if you feel like the story, you can do that, or you can just invite your buddies over and you can do some multiplayer. This is a one-trick pony in that it is only a story. And it is a lengthy story at that, so there is a lot here. 
And it's, I don't feel like you could just play a part of it and get satisfaction out of it. We're like, you know what? I'll just play up until again, that, that, um, that part in the story where it seems like everything's saved and then it's not saved. Uh, and you can pull an Orson Welles and say, if you want a happy ending, it all just depends on where you stop telling your story. And Hey, <laughs> I've saved the princess. I can be done because I think you'll always have that feeling that like, no, I know I'm not finished. That did come a little bit too soon. And I do want more here. So this is where things suffer for me. And unless you're in the mood to really play this again and stick through the long, uh, stick through the long haul here, it's just something you're not going to pick up um, like readily and start playing again. Uh, It's not going to be like a a first person shooter or uh, anything at all like that, or like Mario Kart where you can just do random races and it'll be slightly different each time you play it. So this is where I think it suffers and I'm going to drop it down to a four on this one with four pieces of heart. Uh, just because again, if I, if you really do like the genre and you do like playing through a long game, you will enjoy this from start to finish every time you do. But if you're looking for something like a quick fix and get your Zelda on one, mm-hmm. I, I pick a different genre. You don't get quick Zelda fixes. That's, that's not yeah, why these games are. Here. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to agree with you on that, mm-hmm. on that front, because this game for me, I, I feel like for this era, you would pick up a game and I feel like a lot of them were meant to be maybe four to five hour games, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you can get through most games uh, in a night. I think that's what the intention was. Like you could, you could play through this, rent it, have it back. And Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's happy. And this is a game that I think is estimated to be anywhere from 15 to 17 hours overall. Yeah. Like that, that is a long ass game. For, for a for a Nintendo game, you know, let yeah. alone games of that era, like it's mm-hmm. just a long ass game. So, I do agree with you from that standpoint, and it, it's I don't think daunting is the right word, mm-hmm. but but it feels like a honey do list. Like you've always got something to do, mm-hmm. and and so uh, from that standpoint, like the replay value, I agree with you. It's not a game that I'm gonna pick up and play all the way through because I enjoy playing it all the way through. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to pick it up and likely play through the first hour, hour and a half because that's where the most of my nostalgia comes from. Yeah. It's it's just getting getting to the castle, getting the sword for the first time, lifting it up and hearing that music. That's the stuff that keeps me coming back. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the fact that I want to sit there and get all the way through and see Ganon in his pig form and 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 do that. Like that's just not what I'm going to do every time I sit down and play this. Mm-hmm. So for me, the replay value is incredibly high for like that first hour, but then stuff kicks in. I realize yeah. I got to get going. So I'm actually going to give it a 3.5 on replay. Ooh. Yeah. I don't quite feel as strong there. Mm-hmm. However, the music, this is made mm-hmm. and, and made some games and broken others. It's not every day that we call out a composer specifically by name, and I will say it again, Koji Kondo, the legendary Nintendo composer. The overworld music for A Link to the Past, I swear people have heard this without even playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a ringtone. It's yeah. it's inserted into random things. You, you hear mm-hmm. it all the time. And, and that's not just the overworld music. That is like every freaking song in this game is memorable, mixed, sampled. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, I'm not going to dance around it. It's it's legendary. It's a 5.0. Yeah. I can't say mm-hmm. anything bad about it. Yeah. No, it's 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 like, um, I'm trying to think, is it, is it called Baker Street? That... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would just pop into my head, ass randomly. No reason. I'll be in the middle of teaching and I will just stop because Baker Street popped into my head and I have to apologize <laughs> to my students. I'm like, I'm sorry. It happened again. And they're like, Baker Street? Baker Street, kids. And then we go into it. It's just smooth. It just hits you. And that's what I feel like every track in this does. We're not talking like, uh, you know, GoldenEye, like, pause screen bangers. Oh. But, no. Like, that, like, that song, again, no business. No business doing what it did. <laughs> Someone should apologize 
for not apologizing for it. But this, this is just much more like, God, just again, thought of, planned, rehearsed. They cut the fat of what they didn't like, kept what they thought was good, added more things, and created a symphony that was based in MIDI. And that's yeah. what we got for this game. So this is also five pieces of heart out of five for me. I'm not surprised. You know, mm -hmm. the, the song that's always in my head is like the boss fight, you know, music. Every time mm -hmm. I drink a glass of milk, I just hear it in my head. It's just going <laughs> off. I know I'm in danger. <laughs> I'm, I'm about mm -hmm. to lose some pieces of heart because of that milk I just drank. <laughs> oh, man. But, yes, mm -hmm. so that, that brings us to our last retro review of the year. The final numbers mm -hmm. have been tallied, which are automated, so I don't actually have to do anything. A Link to the Past received... A 94% from us, which we round up, of course. Mm -hmm. But out of a possible 40 points, it received 37 and a half pieces of heart. Mm -hmm. So, that, yeah. yeah. Joe, where do you think that sits in this season's retro review overall tally? I think that's number two. That's got to be right behind GoldenEye with the perfect score. It is. It is mm -hmm. right behind yeah. Right behind GoldenEye. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and GoldenEye actually uh, was, we actually docked one point of that, believe it or not. But really? I thought still. we gave Goldeneye the perfect. No, it's a 98%. But this game is also st still a masterpiece of Nintendo. Mm -hmm. uh, that EAD group, they just did some incredible things, and it didn't stop here. They they kept that, that train moving. Yeah. <laughs> so. And even though you know they just kept the hits on going, it is at this point that we'd like to thank you for listening to Digital Dissection. And as always, we appreciate everything the Dissection crew does for us week after week. And your support goes a long way. And if you happened upon the show by accident, believe it or not, still happens. Just like stumbling into your dead uncle in the bottom of a dungeon on a very, very rainy Tuesday morning. Uh, why not actually drop us a review or comment on the show? So that way we know that you're going to keep adventuring right alongside with us. We also love hearing from you. So, you know, if you want to fire up your old, old computing machines or on your cell phones... And you just give us an email at digitaldissectionpodcast at, at gmail.com. We will definitely read it, likely reply to it, and maybe even throw in a joke. So in that point in time, you could exchange that goodwill and give us some ideas for future shows. And, you know, anything you'd like to discuss, like which link is best link? Could it be this one? Is it the Hero of Time? Is it the Hero of Twilight? Who does the badass sword twill when you twirl and put away when you KO an enemy without taking damage? We don't know. You could help us solve that mystery. 